It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the mind of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman. With me, as always, Mr. Kevin Baxter, coming to you on Monday, June 4th from Corner of the Galaxy Studios as we get ready to kick off another busy week for the LA Galaxy. Coming off a 1-1 draw to the Portland Timbers, a lot to talk about there. Jonathan and Giovanni Dos Santos uh, make the World Cup team. We'll discuss that as well. So there's some other call-ups the LA Galaxy may have had. And we're also going to get you uh, ready, as ready as we can, for the midweek matchup against FC Golden State Force in the U.S. Open Cup. Galaxy have two games this week. Wednesday game and a Saturday game, Saturday at StubHub Center uh, against Real Salt Lake. So a lot to get to. A busy man is uh, is joining us. He is frantically uh, packing, at least in his mind so far, getting ready to head off to the World Cup in Russia. And uh, we have some show news about that as well, or at least we're going to we're gonna attempt to have some show news about that as well. Kevin, are you, are you okay? You hanging in there, buddy? You know, when I'm in that Russian jail, I'm depending on you to send me a cake with a file in it. <laughs> that's that's something we've already agreed on. That's good. Um, so you're you're what a week away from uh, departing for the World Cup. When do you take off? I take off on Friday. Well, well actually, the, the plane takes off. I hope to be in it. You, yeah, Friday. You hope to be at? Yeah, that's good. So no, that is. So you'll be gone Friday, uh, which you and I have now talked about, and we can sort of say that we are going to attempt, and we put attempt as as greatly as we can to still do some shows while you are in Russia. And so far, I think we've got our June schedule out, and I, I just wanted to talk to everybody and tell everybody that w- there are going to be two off days this this month in June. I have to go traveling, and whenever I travel, the show shuts down. If Kevin travels, the show show continues, whether he can do it or not. Yeah, what does that say? What does that tell you? <laughs> that, that tells you that I know how to hit, do all the recording stuff and you don't. That's basically what it says. That's the only reason that has ever happened, by the way. It's not like some ego trip thing that I have. It's just I'm the one who records everything, so if I can't be here to record, there's no show uh, going on. So that that's what it is. But we are well, going to... Remember the shows I do from Russia, you need to say hello to, to President Putin there. Who, who's listening Because in? you know they're going to be listening in. First of all, they're going to be listening in because I'm an American reporter, but probably because they want to get all the dirt on the galaxy just like everyone else here does. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. The, I mean, G- G- the good news is you'll have your best friends, uh, Jonathan and Giovanni Dos Santos, to uh, keep you company there. They at, will, somewhere in Redondo Beach, there will be an empty Buffalo Wild Wing. Or there'll at least be two chairs. Uh, the way, two with, chairs with, there. Empty. I'm sure there'll be people there. But no, I mean, that that's sort of the big news. Let's even start there. Um, you know, Jonathan and Giovanni Dos Santos getting called up to the Mexican national team in terms of actually headed to the World Cup on the World Cup. Cup roster, 23-man roster. They are there to the surprise of not this podcaster, by the way. I think I've been calling it for a while that they would both be going to Russia, even though I don't think that uh, Giovanni Dos Santos's 326 minutes in Major League Soccer this year have warranted a call-up in form or anything else uh, to the uh, to the Mexican national team and to this FIFA World Cup in Russia. But Kevin, you, you were there. He did score a goal, did he not? Well, he scored a goal, yeah, in Mexico, and he's played, what, 326 minutes, as you said, for the Galaxy. He's played about, uh, well, not a tenth. He's played less than 100 minutes, I believe, for the Mexican national team and already has a goal. So he's way ahead of pace uh, with the Mexican national team. Jonathan, I think, um, you know, this will be completely wrong, so don't take this to the bank at all. But my guess is Jonathan is going to be a much more important part of that Mexican national team. Although Juan Carlos Osorio does like that squad rotation, I think when you look at the roster – 
it seems to me that Gio is a little bit redundant to Carlos Vela, and I know they were on the field together when Gio scored the goal. In fact, Vela got the assist. But I think you'll see a lot more of Jonathan um, in Russia playing for Mexico than you will of Gio. Um, it, it was an interesting um, cut, I think, that Osorio made when he picked this team. There were some surprising cuts all over the place. Um with the World Cup uh, rosters being finalized uh, today, Monday. So we'll see what happens. By the way, this continues a streak for the Galaxy. Um, I believe they, they are the only Major League Soccer team that has had a player chosen to a World Cup roster, not necessarily the U.S. roster, obviously, but a player chosen to a World Cup roster every year since uh, they came into existence, every World Cup year, 1998. So uh, the Galaxy continued that streak by sending two players to the Mexican team this year. Yeah, which is uh, an interesting sort of streak that that continues on. This will be the third World Cup for uh, Giovanni Dos Santos, the first, I believe, World Cup for Jonathan Dos Santos. Right, Uh, he was hurt four years ago, and then in 2010, I was actually there in Mexico when the uh, Mexican national, or in Germany, rather, when the Mexican national team made their final cut, and, and Gio made the team, and Jonathan didn't. And it was a real emotional time for a lot of people on that team. Um, uh, Gio threatened not to play, threatened to go home. Gio's father threatened to never have his sons play for the Mexican national team again. Um, uh, somehow they got through it, and now Gio, as you said, his third World Cup. Jonathan is first. This was another dream of the brothers. They talked about wanting to play for the L.A. Galaxy. Well, not the L.A. Galaxy, but wanting to play for a club team together. They wound up with the Galaxy. They also wanted to play in a World Cup together. So now they get a chance to do that in Russia. Yeah, we'll see if uh, uh, Giovanni Dos Santos gets some minutes. Um, again, scoring goal, um, some people... It, oh, the way it was talked about on Twitter, I figured that he probably did an overhead bicycle kick by the uh, the amount of uh, just sort of uh, lobbing the attempt, I guess, uh, that I saw so much on Twitter. And I went back and looked, in, and he passed it into the corner. So that was... that was It was something. I don't, I don't know what it says about uh, Giovanni Dos Santos so far. But it was something. Listen, this is great news for the LA Galaxy. And it's great news because it gives them one of two options that, that hopefully one of these two options come true for a Galaxy who I think have expected way, way more than they have ever gotten out of Giovanni Dos Santos. And that is, Kevin, that if Giovanni Dos Santos goes, if Jonathan Dos Santos, if, when they go, if they play and they play well, two, one of two things can happen then for the Galaxy. And those two things are very simple and easy to understand. One is Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos get all of this World Cup confidence. They go out there, they play great, they have great tournaments, especially Giovanni Dos Santos. He's uh, he's named the, the the player of the tournament. How, you know, we're really eye in the pie, sort of eye, uh, pie in the sky here uh, 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 stuff. But he, he's named player of the tournament. He comes back, and with all that confidence, he goes on an MLS tear. He is unstoppable. The LA Galaxy need him to be good if they're going to be paying him $6 million a year, Kevin. And so uh, that's option number one, which is that he comes back and he is a great player for the LA Galaxy after having struggled mightily now for the last couple of years. Um, no, no, yeah, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're the same guy who said Dom Dwyer wasn't getting traded. I'm not, That's I'm, right. I'm not buying any of this. Um, so the second option, the second positive option here is that, uh, they both have wonderful tournaments, um, and that they come back and the LA Galaxy are then able to sell them for a price, a profit, make money on the deal and have two open designated player spots, uh, that are also there. Um, and, and so that could be a positive for the Galaxy as well. The only sort of negative outcome that you get from this, Kevin, is that, uh, Giovanni Dos Santos doesn't play much, which is a very real possibility. Uh, doesn't, when he does play, he doesn't play well. 
um, and that the Galaxy have nothing to show for it, and they're stuck with these two contracts, or at least with the with the Giovanni dos Santos contract at six million dollars a year. They're stuck with that contract until the end of the contract, which is the end of next season, uh, which is probably the most likely scenario, by the way. So that's uh, that's sort of how I look at this. But if you're an optimist, Kevin, this is the best news the Galaxy could have possibly had: is that you get both of them to go to the World Cup. Yeah, if one had went and the other had stayed back, that would be a distraction for everybody. You know, th- this Mexico team, I've been really high on this Mexico team throughout this whole World Cup preparation cycle. I, I do think it's the best Mexican team in history. Uh, 13 players off European rosters. It's deep at every position. I really like Juan Carlos Osorio. I know his squad rotation is not popular in Mexico, but, but um, you know, at least he has an idea. He has a reason for it. He's just not uh, throwing darts at a dartboard. Um, however... They have played really poorly lately. The, the goal by Gio was their first goal in three games, and they're going uh, to Russia where their first game is going to be against Germany. Um, so they've got to get some stuff together real quickly. It could be a very – even though – I'll still stand by this. I still think it's the best Mexican team in history. It could be the first team uh, in nearly forever that goes out in the group stage unless they get their their their, their stuff together here. As far as the Dos Santos brothers – um, my feeling, and, and again, yeah, the Dom Dwyer thing um, <laughs> is still out there, obviously. Thanks for reminding me about that. <laughs> very, I'm very poor at predictions, but it just seemed to me that, that the, the, um, what's the, the, the reward of a World Cup was out there for both Dos Santos brothers. And, and Gio said when he came into camp that he was in the best shape of his life, that he'd worked out all offseason. Jonathan said the same thing. They worked out with Carlos Vela for a while. They both came to camp really uh, fit in their mind. Um, and I thought that the World Cup being out there for them was the reason that they did all that and that they would have a great first half of the season trying to prove their fitness. And then my thought was they'd come back from the World Cup not as motivated. I think this is likely Geo's last World Cup. Jonathan may have a run at one more, but that they would come back and it's like, we've got four years to the next World Cup. We're not really not into this MLS stuff. That was kind of my take. And they would come back um, not very motivated. It, it looks like it's going to be exactly the opposite. They they were injured. Um, I think that they protected themselves a lot in the first half of the season. I'm not going to doubt that they were injured, but you know what? Every player takes the field injured at all times. Uh, you, you don't play a game like this and play for 90 minutes and play every week and not have something nagging you. But these guys were not, uh, you know, maybe the, the injuries were a lot more serious than than Ziggy and the staff was letting on, but they didn't seem to be, Guys that were going out there risking everything for for a club, they were saving everything for country. So we'll see what happens when they come back. If they do have a good World Cup, maybe all of a sudden they'll be feeling their oats a little bit and they'll they'll go out there and play much better. I mean, I think you could argue they they can't make much less of a contribution to what the Galaxy has done this year. But you're right. I mean, the bottom line is what happens in the World Cup is going to determine a lot. If they come back feeling like they're world beaters and that everything was great and that they were key parts of this World Cup team. Um, I think they'll do really well if they come back. Mexico doesn't go, doesn't play well, and they come back a little bit defeated. I think they're going to carry that back into the Galaxy locker room. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe if you're a Galaxy fan, you should cheer for Mexico a little bit. Maybe, maybe just a little bit. Well, uh, you know, we've we've gone over these numbers before. Uh, Giovanni dos Santos just 326 minutes played. That's 25.9 percent of the total minutes available uh, this season through 14 games. Uh, you have Jonathan Dos Santos, who has played 622 minutes, uh, 49.4 percent 
of the total available minutes for the LA Galaxy. Ramon Alessandrini, 67.1%. Uh, Ola Kamara, 85.6%. And Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, 64.2% of his total available minutes. By, by the way, the two Dos Santos do not combine to uh, to equal Oma Kam- Ola Kamara, who has missed two games to international doing himself, or is it three games? It, it'll, like 12. Yeah, it, it'll end up being two. It'll just be two, but yeah, you're right. No, he will have missed two games, and the, the Dos Santos brothers combined haven't reached that. Um, so you're starting to see sort of those patterns that sort of come out and go. The other thing I wanted to point out, and this was after I had posted my article about uh, Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos uh, making the World Cup roster team, um, I, I came through and said, hey... Um, somebody on Reddit actually asked me, Kevin, and said, hey, how much has Giovanni Dos Santos made uh, per minute this season uh, in Major League Soccer? Um, and then, you know, you can break it down a whole bunch of different ways. Well, I did this last year, so I updated my chart, and I wanted to give everybody uh, sort of the chart and the breakdown. Um, if uh, Giovanni Dos Santos makes $6 million this year, we're assuming that that's correct, numbers from the MLS Players Union, um, $6 million this year, uh, that means total, if you take his $6 million and you divide it by the 34 games in a season, Kevin, Giovanni Dos Santos should make $176,471 per game. Okay, that's the $6 million divided by the 34 games. That, there's, there's math, but it's easy math. I'm not going to confuse everybody. All right, that means that so far through 14 games, the LA Galaxy have paid Giovanni Dos Santos $2.4 million, uh, roughly. Uh, and that means that so far per game, he has made $428,571. All right. Um, and then if you go through uh, and dollars per goal uh, is one point two million dollars right now through his uh, total salary of two point four. So you just divide that by two because he has two goals. And that means that per minute so far in Major League Soccer, having played three hundred and twenty six minutes uh, through the 14 games available so far uh, and making two point two point four seven million dollars that he makes seven thousand five hundred and seventy eight dollars per minute. So that's uh, that's that puts him in the same tax bracket as you, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, just like it was one of those things. No. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos is at $1,304 per minute. Roman Alessandrini is at $974 per minute so far through 14 games. I can update these charts as we continue on. I just I thought it was interesting. People always ask those questions uh, about, uh, about those guys. And so uh, it's an interesting little exercise that you can do to realize that you should have all been professional athletes. That's really what it comes down to, Kevin. You should have been a professional athlete. I should have been one. Uh, and that we clearly made a wrong decision somewhere along there. And clearly we had the skills, both of us, to be professional athletes. No, I was, I was going to say, the thing that really held me back wasn't desire. It was <laughs> it was an incredible lack of talent. <laughs> I was going to just... <laughs> it, nobody wanted... You know, it, I was always the last guy I picked. Yep. I, I didn't understand it. Yeah, it was... I mean, a- I can sit on the bench as well as the Dos Santos brothers. There's a, there, there's a comedian who says that, you know, everybody gets 15 minutes of fame, Kevin, uh, and that's an average, all right? So that means that zero for you, zero for me, zero for everybody else, and that, you know, he gets a 10-year career. That's how that's how it works. That's how your 15 minutes of fame actually gets sort of that's doled out. That's where it went. That's where it went, absolutely. So anyway, so that's, that's interesting. Then go to the other international call-ups, Kevin. We have been talking, and we have been trying to report on these things. I reported after the FC Dallas game that uh, Emra Clementa had been called called up by Montenegro um, for an international friendly and that the Galaxy had denied that request. Now, it's likely that Emmer Clementa uh, was going to feature in, you know, the FC Dallas game, which I don't believe he did if my memory serves me correct, uh, that maybe he was going to play in the Portland game, which he did not. But certainly the U.S. Open Cup game that's coming up, that's probably a game 
for him, which it may be, and we're certainly going to see that. But Emmer Clemente's call-up was denied by Montenegro. Kevin, uh, you and I both saw the tweet by uh, Ives, who was saying that the LA Galaxy's Sebastian Legette was called up. So and you did a little bit of digging about that. Yeah, well, I tried. The Galaxy was evasive as usual. Um, I asked whether that treat, uh, whether they had seen the tweet. They said yes, they had. That was the end of the answer. Then I asked whether it was accurate that uh, Sebastian Lejet w- was called up to the national team. Now you can get called up to the national team and not go. So my question was, was he called up? Was did the U.S. national team request him? The response was no. He played in the Portland game, and I said yes, I know he played in the Portland game, but was he requested by the U.S. national team? To which they said. Yes, but they denied the player's uh, ability to go. And I think that is – I know you and I are going to disagree on this, and I know that, once again, you're wrong um, because (laughs) we are disagreeing. But um, Sebastian Legette, here's a guy – okay, yes, you have two players gone to the World Cup. Fine. They're going to Mexico's World Cup team. Um, This is the U.S. national team calling up Sebastian Legette, a guy who had uh, a couple of caps last last year with the U.S. national team before suffering that horrible fracture in his foot. He's worked – so hard to get back. He's worked his butt off. The U.S. national team is calling him back. He's still a very young player. It's not like they're calling him up for a cup of coffee. They're trying to find out whether he fits in their future going forward. They called him up. They wanted him to go play against some really good teams in Europe, France being one of them, Ireland and France. Um, It was a great opportunity for him. It was a great reward for a guy who worked so hard to get back. And the Galaxy said no. And I don't understand it on a lot of levels. I don't understand it because it's a reward for a guy who worked hard. It's the U.S. national team. Again, I'm not saying that the Galaxy or any MLS team should necessarily look on, on different national teams in a different way. But, you know, I, I, I do think if you're going to lean toward one side, I think the U.S. national team, MLS was created to, to, to build players and build a, a talent pool for the U.S. national team. And here's a guy that they want. Here's a guy that Dave Sarakin, the former coach, former assistant coach for the Galaxy, wants. Um, there was just so many reasons to just say yes, and I know that they had a game, and he's not going to play in the U.S. Open Cup game. He would have missed the Portland game only, most likely. Um, here's a chance for them to reward him, to get in the U.S. national team pool, maybe help Dave Sarakin for his you know, tireless work with the Galaxy, maybe help him out a little bit. Uh, and they said no. The, the Clement thing I get, uh, Clement I get a little bit more. It's Montenegro. Um, he's a very young player. Um, he's a guy that may or may not figure in his national team plan too much, but but is the, the Galaxy need to get a look at him? They know all about Sebastian Lejet. I don't know. I just think when you're letting the two Dos Santos brothers go, and then if you're going to make an argument of, oh, we can't afford to get by without this guy, um, letting Kamara go, I mean, that would be the guy. That's where I would draw the line. I'd say, look, if you're not going to let Sebastian Lejet go, then don't let Kamara go. You know, what's the argument to letting him go and not letting Sebastian Legette go? Yeah, I, I think the argument stems here, and it's multifaceted, as you probably expect, a bunch of different things that come into it. I tend to agree with you in terms of your argument of you should let Sebastian Legette go because he worked so hard, because he was there when he got injured. He was on the precipice of having, a, you know, probably a great year for the U.S. men's national team. Who knows? Uh, Sebastian Legette's inclusion could have changed a lot of things for the U.S. men's national team. Lots of things could have changed the U.S. men's I national team. I wouldn't be going to Russia alone for one <laughs> Maybe. Maybe you wouldn't be. Um, but no, I, I, I agree with that in, in terms of how you're looking at it. But there, there's other factors here to look at. And the, the first of all is that um, that Jonathan Dos Santos has already gone. Listen, Jonathan Dos Santos and Gio Dos Santos are automatic call-ups. You can't deny them. Every, they're going to World Cup, blah, blah, blah. Everybody knows that. Ola Kamara, 
uh, has different rules than everybody else. And the reason that he does is you're paying him almost a million dollars a year. You're playing him out of position. You brought him into a team to be the attacking option, and then you got another uh, attacking option that overshadows him and forces him to play in a different position. So you probably need to do everything in your power to keep Ola Kamara happy. Yeah, but see, you're making my point. Yeah, You're rewarding the guy for his uh, for his selfless hard work. Agreed. And I would put Sebastian Legette in that same category. Okay, and here's where it changes, is that... Uh, with Ola Kamara gone, you had Zlatan available, you had ultimately Ima Boateng, you had Chris Pontius, there was a bunch of players who could have played that position. The problem right now with the LA Galaxy is despite the fact that they have a ton of midfielders, Kevin, they don't have a ton of midfielders who play where Sebastian Legette does. Baggio Husidic is injured right now. Uh, apparently he's been injured for a while, although we just found out about it. Uh, I think maybe after the game on Saturday is whenever I, if I, I thought about asking about it. Uh, queued up by some listeners who were, who were tweeting at me and I asked so he has a, a quote unquote lower body injury this is the NHL now um, a lower body injury he hasn't been training for the last two weeks so he wasn't available um, this is probably why you saw Joel Pedro's inclusion uh, you don't have Jonathan Dos Santos because he's gone so you're already getting pretty thin and Joel Pedro is going to be the only other guy that probably plays that position Right now, for the Galaxy, that's not a great situation whenever you're going up against uh, some really good teams like FC Dallas, like Portland. Um, and so that's probably what limited both Clementa, and Clementa's a little more of a gray area for me. I mean, for me, I, he play, I think he started in the last game that Montenegro played uh, played in, or at least one of the last groups, that it, one of the last couple of games that has been there. So he's been playing... And ultimately, you're not going to use him, and you probably have enough backups available that you didn't need him, although I do expect him probably to play in the U.S. Open Cup game. So so that's there. The other thing is that MLS is now in a position where, um, granted, Kevin, I think you're right, that it was created to try and promote and improve the U.S. men's national team, and they have basically been doing everything since they've been created to make sure that they were not developing players for the U.S. men's national team. Uh, this is really... This is really sort of interesting um, in terms of just the way that they have adopted international players and sort of made those players the the real stars of the league um, outside of, a, you know, the domestic players. And so when you look at that, you can't say that MLS is in any position to say that they are helping improve the U.S. men's national team. You know what they have done, though, Kevin? They certainly have improved CONCACAF because you're seeing a ton of players. I think there's 19 total players headed to the World Cup. Yeah, um, six for Panama and six for Costa Rica. Yeah, that's so. I, again, they've they've really uh, they've really boosted Concacaf lately, uh, but just not, just not the U.S. men's national team. And I don't think that's their job anymore is to promote the U.S. men's national team or do any of that. Different argument for different things. Bottom line here is that Sebastian Lejet, probably you're probably right, Kevin. I, I tend to lean with you. Deserved to go to the U.S. men's national team, and that was sort of despite what the LA Galaxy have now. The fact that they kept him and they used him and that he's an integral part to this team. You know, it's a reason why they decided to deny it. I don't think that Sebastian's the kind of guy, Kevin, I don't think he's going to hold a grudge um, against the LA Galaxy, but it could be a, a souring of a relationship there. I, I agree with you in that in that sense. It's a compliment to Sebastian either way, because if you look at it one side, the Galaxy wouldn't let him go because he's too valuable, and the U.S. national team wanted him because he's too valuable. So I don't know that he will hold a grudge, but uh, I, I think it's something that will remain in the back of his mind for a little bit, and he's probably a little bit hurt by it. But he went out and played 90 minutes, played hard, had a good game. Um, so, um, you know, hopefully it won't cause any issues going forward. The thing is, you keep talking about the Wednesday's game, the U.S. Open Cup game. This will be Zlatan Ibrahimovic's 
first uh, U.S. Open Cup game, that first <laughs> U.S. Open Cup start. I, I want to see him running around on the uh, the track and field stadium there I, behind the StubHub Center. I, I'm not even sure he knows there is a track and field stadium, Kevin, at StubHub Center. I'm, I imagine that he hasn't made any trips out there. He probably drives by it real quickly, sees the sees the building over there in the side, and does it. Yeah, the Yellow Galaxy facing off against FC Golden State Force. I, I, you know, that'll be... That'll be an interesting sort of sort of look, but let's talk. I, I think, so you don't think he's going to play? I, you know, I, I think if uh, if I had to bet my house on it, I would probably say no. I'd probably okay. say no against an amateur team, maybe not. It's it's not turf. It's not turf. <laughs> it's, it is not turf. Let's talk about the turf, though. Let's talk about the one-one draw, of Portland, and clearly Zlatan Ibrahimovic, a a a central figure to the story of this game, and he didn't start. Um, so that's an well, that's an interesting take. Yeah. I know he had those two goals in the last home game, right? The one against Dallas. But what I find really interesting, and I don't know that this adds up to anything, but I'm just going to throw it out there. He was not on the field when the Galaxy scored to beat Montreal. He was not on the field at all against San Jose, another game they won. Both games won to nothing. He was not on the field when they scored against Portland. So, um, you know, the, the last two wins in a draw, Ibra uh, wasn't even on the, on the field when the – whatever deciding or game tying goal, whatever just stood up for the draw when the galaxy scored the goal that, that led them to a result. He was not on the field. He has been on the field for uh, a number of losses lately, even though he's played well, you know, scoring the two goals against Dallas. So I don't know if that says anything. I do think if you watch the Portland game closely, the team definitely plays differently when with him on the field and with him on the bench, they just seem a lot when he's on the bench, they seem a lot freer. Um, I think you mentioned in the tweet that there doesn't seem to be the pressure to always look for him, to pass to him, because if you don't, you're going to hear about it. You know, he, he has 32 shots already this season and 13 shots on goal, and he's only uh, played 10 games. That's, you know, that's three and a, half, three and a quarter shots a game. That, that seems to a lot to me. I just think the team plays better, and they're more creative, and they're more free-flowing when he's not on the field. They seem really static when he is there. Well, I mean, that's sort of the the, the rub on everything, isn't it? Is that, you know, how did the Galaxy play whenever Zlatan's on the field? And they play in a more direct fashion. Siggy Schmidt mentioned it against FC Dallas. Uh, Ashley Cole mentioned it against FC Dallas as well, so they play a lot of balls in the air to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. If you look at the passing and the sequences that led to the Chris Pontius goal and Chris Pontius getting the start, uh, real quick, the uh, the lineup was Ashley Cole, Jorgen Schielvik, uh Michael Ciani, Dave Romney at defense, although that is not how they eventually played, and we'll talk about that. Kitchen, Carrasco, Boateng, Legette, Alessandrini, and Pontius up top. That's sort of how it laid out. David Bingham in goal, the, the hero of the match, in my opinion, David Bingham in goal. But that um, they play a lot of balls in the air, and if you watch them build up to the Chris Pontius goal, it's a lot of balls on the ground, and the Galaxy are more comfortable playing the ball on the ground, which is not great for Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, despite the fact that everybody talks about his ball-handling skills, and certainly I think he's that guy, I think he's that guy whenever he's running downhill, and you certainly saw it with the two goals, or at least one goal against FC Dallas, is that if you can put him in positions running at goal and find give, get him the ball, that he's that guy. He is a nine. He's a, he's a nine striker to me, Kevin. He's not a playmaker, um, at least not yet, and maybe that's just, you know, his form has not been great yet either. Um, you've seen him stumble over the ball. You've seen him lose his footing here and there. He hasn't been as sure with movements. Uh, loses the ball rather quickly, and again, he's still in a recovery process from a surgery that could take you know seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve months to get all the way back fully fit and 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 fully up to up to snuff again. And maybe he'll never be the same player that he was. But it's uncomfortable. I, this is how I explain it, and and maybe this is maybe this is too simplistic, Kevin. But the Galaxy are more comfortable 
in a you know lone man up top sort of formation um, than they are whenever he's been playing in any other stuff. And I thought this game would be a real test because I expected him to start this game uh, with Ola Kamara out and Siggy Schmidt making a fool of me, as is normally the case. Um, but I thought this would be the game where we'd get to test that you know hypothesis out about whether or not Zlatan Ibrahimovic in a single striker formation, in a you know four two three one formation, would be better than you know being stacked anywhere else. And we got about. 18 minutes of that, and quite honestly, the Galaxy had decided to pretty much uh, park the bus by that time um, and, and go with the 1-1 draw. So, I mean, you know, I don't think we learned a whole bunch except that the Galaxy look more comfortable, they look more creative, I'd agree with you 100%, when Zlatan Ibrahimovic isn't out there, you know, demanding that he gets the ball all the time. And I, I think that players, you know, at least not publicly won't say that, but I think that if you were to really to dig into their into their minds and, and really get them and talk in private, that type of thing, I would think that the players would say that that's the case. Well, I knew you were on drugs when you said he was going to play because he's coming, and you're off knee surgery, major knee surgery. Breaking yeah. news. This is the break. Hold on, hold on. I want to, I want to. Panda and Pato in the morning. All right, just I just wanted to throw that in there for for the breaking news that you were about to get a phone call there. No? Yeah, and my travel agent in Russia probably calling. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I knew you were on drugs when you said Zlatan was going to play because here's a guy a year removed from major knee surgery. Uh, he just played 98 minutes. That was a long uh, stoppage time in that last game um, with Dallas. So he just played 98 minutes, uh, had only a couple days break, um, you know, going on the road. A difficult place to play. I was pretty sure that he was not going to play. But I think the most interesting part of that game was when Zalatan came on in the 72nd minute for Ima Boateng, the tallest player in the league, uh, replacing the shortest player. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very interesting handshake. It, it was. It was. It's always it's always interesting. I mean, listen, I mean, just the way this game played out uh, in terms of the Galaxy playing more of a 3-5-2, something, by the way, that people have been clamoring for them to play whenever Zlatan and Ola Kamara are on the field. Um, and Siggy Schmidt commented about it, you know, afterwards, uh, basically on the determining factor to uh, play Chris Pontius and Emmanuel Boateng up top. And uh, Siggy said, and I quote, it was a decision that we felt we had to make with Ibra's knee history. We didn't want him to play a lot of minutes on it. So basically, that's the way we went. We went with the 3-5-2 more or less today, and we wanted to play those two up front. Um, hey, Siggy Schmidt, why don't you try that with Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Ola Kamara? I mean, this is... I, literally, we've been arguing about this. The Galaxy may have figured something out here, Kevin. Um, in that game, they may have found a formation that works all the time. Uh, it may They may have found a formation that may suit them well going against Real Salt Lake, who is certainly surging up the standings as of late, coming up on Saturday. You won't see it against uh, the LA Galaxy in the US Open Cup game. I don't Listen, I already talked to people. Uh, I talked to the Galaxy, Kevin, and basically I said, hey, are you going to be announcing any LA Galaxy 2 loans up to, uh, to the senior team? And they said, if we do, we expect those Tuesday or Wednesday. So um, I imagine that you're going to see some LA Galaxy 2 players being loaned up to the team, and they will make an announcement about that. So that's different. But when you look at this 3-5-2, this is something that people have been... Ashley Cole playing a little bit more in the midfield, something that we have seen more of. The defense looked put together. This is one of the best defensive performances the Galaxy put out since probably the Vancouver game. Which yeah, it should have been a shutout. It should have been. I Listen, I hate that penalty kick call. I thought that penalty kick call was soft as hell. 
Um, you have a defender in Jorgen Shelvick who was, for some reason, getting just trashed on Twitter by a whole bunch of people. I didn't think he was having a bad game. In fact, I can't find a player on the field for the LA Galaxy, Kevin, who I thought had a bad game besides Joel Pedro, who lost a shoe and got yellow carded inside of a minute of coming on the field. That was that was the only sort of blip of Joel Pedro coming on. But I can't That's find... an MLS record, by the way. That's never been done before. <laughs> never never lost a shoe and been carded inside the same minute right. of, of being subbed on. That's a, that's a good trivia question for all of you people. Joel Pedro, once again, breaking down the barriers. Um, but no, I mean, this is... I thought the Galaxy played... This is probably the Galaxy's best game of the year. This is probably it. Uh, It's David Bingham's best game, maybe, of his life. Nine saves on the night... Uh, I think the LA... every one of them a hard one, by the way. There's no easy ones. Well, there were some mess ups on the defense. Let's let's put it. There were a couple miscommunications in the back, and David Bingham rose to the occasion and saved some people's jobs. Um, but again, I'm not I'm I'm not going to sit there. The, ga- the Galaxy got outshot 18 to 16, very even. Whenever you think about that, 10 to three on target. That only shot the only shot on target was the penalty kick um, that that got past David Bingham. Um, so you look at the Galaxy, they created some offense. They did an okay job with that. Uh, they were defensively solid. I mean, people are going to point to two misses from Roman Alessandrini, Kevin, that could have possibly won this game. Um, but I think whenever you're facing the, the hottest team in Major League Soccer, they had six wins in a row, the Portland Timbers did. Uh, they were perfect at home, 4-0-0. Uh, whenever you took points from them, the first points anybody's taken from them on the road, and you snapped their six-game winning streak, that's that's a that's a win, and you won a season series. It's the first season series the Galaxy have won this year. Uh, they beat Portland at home, and then they get the draw up in Portland. That's a series win right there. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, the LA Galaxy played a very good game. I still call it stolen points because a team with a six-game winning streak, Kevin, uh, with as much talent as the Portland Timbers, should have probably ran right through the LA Galaxy. But I was I was very surprised with the with a couple performances. Emma Boateng, David Bingham, Chris Pontius all uh, surpassed my expectations. Well, here's a couple of stats that are interesting. Do you know the Galaxy have now played seven road games this year, and they have gotten points in more games than they have not gotten points. In other words, they have gotten two wins and two two uh, draws. So they've gotten points in four of the seven games, three losses. No points. That's pretty good. I mean, if you can do that on the road um, and, uh, you know, play 500 or a little better than 500 at home, I think you're going to have a pretty good season. The other thing is, do you know there are three players of the Galaxy, David Bingham obviously being one, that have started every game? You know who the other two are? Uh, Jorgen Shelvick. Correct. Perry Kitchen. Yes. I win. Now, who would have guessed that going into the season? I guess you you guess Bingham. you got to figure right. your goalie's going to be out there every time. But Perry Kitchen and Jordan Shelvick have also started every game this season. That, that's, they, and no, all, all three of them are new to the team. Yeah, no, they are. And uh, I think it's I, – I said good performances. I thought Perry Kitchen played very, very well on the night as well. I mean, listen – People gave, let's see, all the things people gave me crap for, for. Um, saying that the defense played very well. I thought they did. They still, Bingham had to make nine saves, but he made them. And some of them were very difficult. But Portland is a talented offensive team. Bingham stood on his head and did some things. Um, the other things that people, I, I said Perry Kitchen had a really good game. Um, I think that he has, in the last two games, had, probably had his two best games for the LA Galaxy, so that's that's big for the for the LA Galaxy. And Ima Boateng. Now, I'm of the opinion, Kevin, that Ima Boateng is not a starter. Um, however, in this game, I think that he certainly proved me wrong, uh, and I think that he has done enough, and everybody who knows his history with Real Salt Lake, he has done enough, Kevin, to get a start against Real Salt Lake whenever they play, because Ima's going to go off for four or five goals against Real Salt Lake. We know this. 
Yeah, let's hope he didn't get called up to the national team. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I mean, he's not going to go anyway. Yeah, they'll they'll deny that for sure. Um, but no, I mean, Ima Boateng played a very good game. Uh, Roman Alessandrini, again, continues sort of his cold streak. Uh, he didn't have a bad game. It's just he missed a couple key opportunities that I'd expect him to make. So overall with Portland, Kevin, I, I think that Galaxy fans have to be ecstatic with the result they had. But it's raising a lot of questions. Um, it's certainly raising questions about Zlatan Ibrahimovic and what he's bringing, um, and and even in the heat. And that was the other thing. That was the one I wanted to talk about. The heat in in, in Portland. Everybody's like it was only eighty degrees. Okay, so it was eighty degrees air temperature, which means that it was about a hundred degrees on the field. And you could certainly see that in the second half, uh, that both teams flagged. They were done. Um, and that's why the second half was not nearly as entertaining, I think, as the first half. And uh, I question, once again, MLS and, and them scheduling games in the afternoon like that on turf. You, you know where you're playing. You know what's going on. It's 2 p.m. I mean, yeah, it could be raining in Portland as well. But, you know, let's start to take a little bit more consideration because you see what happens whenever they play these games. Like, you shouldn't play, Kevin, a an afternoon game in Houston, you know, whenever it starts to get into the warmer months, you know you should be playing at 7.30 or 8 p.m. in Houston on those occasions. And I don't care if it's a nationally televised game. That's when it should kick off. They, they have to start taking into the quality of play of soccer because I thought the second half suffered for it. Yeah, I mean, when you look at these schedules, there are always games that can be played in the afternoon elsewhere. It's not like you have to look at and say, oh, well, the Dallas game, because of the time difference, has to be the game in the afternoon. There, there are always other places where you can play in the afternoon. Um, and, and when you're looking at your marquee matchups, I mean, we see them change game times all the time when, you know, on the schedule. And when you look at the schedule, you don't take into account what happened a week before or whatever on the schedule. This was Slotton going to Portland to play, uh, the Timbers in a place where they never lose. I mean, that's a compelling game. Why wouldn't you want that in prime time? Why do you want to start that so early in the afternoon? Yeah, it, to, to me, it didn't make a, make a ton of sense. But again, I think this game was... You know, as disappointing as the FC Dallas game was, and here's where I question Siggy Schmidt. The harder of these two games, Kevin, was the Portland game. You had a Portland team that was on a roll. You're going to a place, as you say, they don't lose, and they hadn't lost, um, and they don't lose points at all, you know, really at home, and the Galaxy ended up taking a point. But it was the harder game on paper. Plus, it was the game that's coming off a short midweek game. Um, so why do you not look at the FC Dallas game and start the same lineup that you had or, you know, even a better lineup that you had um, against FC Dallas. The defensive side of this is what made this game good, and Siggy Schmidt threw that out the window against FC Dallas. It didn't make any sense to make the switch against FC Dallas, a game that, yes, it was a tough team, and FC Dallas is a good team for me, Kevin, but it's a game that the Galaxy were at home and should use that home advantage to try and win, and in my book, and hey, my math may be a little fuzzy, I went to Arizona State University, um, that three points at home is worth more than one point on the road. And that's how this seems to have been set up, is to get, you know, is to basically almost get a draw against FC Dallas or hope for a draw against FC Dallas with the lineup you put out with Dan Stairs out there on the right side, which is not his position. Um, and then you come in and you're going to play, you know, a, a I think, 100% defensive starting lineup, even if you move into a three- or a four-man back line. Your, your players are still there. Uh, and you get a draw on Portland. To me, it would have made a ton more sense to get the win against FC Dallas, and I feel like Siggy Schmidt didn't pay proper attention to that, and he hurt both games. I really feel like he hurt both games, or he at least hurt the point total, and that is coming from a guy who I think did a great job coaching 
uh, against you know a Portland team that was on a roll. So I still have to be critical of how those two games went down. Well, I liked I I really liked the Portland lineup, and let me tell you why. I think that lineup you put out uh, in the Dallas game, you know. Um, was kind of the lineup he had to put out there if the guys are there and they're available and and they're, they're his big money DP guys and stuff. Those guys have to be out there. You're talking about Ibra and and Ola and 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 I know that Ola was not available for this game, but I mean the lineup he put out there um, is a grinder lineup. You know, you got Carrasco in there, Joe Pedro coming off the bench. Yes, not the most. Uh, Pedro-esque uh, performance of all time. But, um, you know, Sebastian Jet, Dave Romney's playing kind of as a winger. Ashley Cole playing kind of as, as a winger. Pontius as your, you know, essentially the the, the top striker. Uh, Boateng. It, it's a grinder lineup. It's a lineup that is, um, you know, not ready for primetime players. And, and guys that are going to go out there and just work their butts off and not going to rest on their laurels and, and their national team credentials and all those things. And that's how that game, to me, that's how that game unfolded. In the heat, on the turf, against a team that never loses at home, these guys grinded out a point and should have had a win. And it was a, a an all-around, you know, pick a play, aside from David Bingham, you know, pick an artistic play of the game. I don't know that there were that many. It was just, again, a grinder victory. A guy, you know, guys sort of just humping and getting through it and getting a point out of it. Um, you're right, the Dallas lineup was a little bit different, but I actually like this. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you. I like this lineup better just because I think it, it worked hard. The work rate was up. It worked hard, and uh, it got the result that it – well, it didn't even get the result it deserved. It deserved better than that, but certainly take a point out of Portland. That's a win anywhere else. That's a uh, – two wins anywhere else well i mean i think we're actually agreeing because i agree i like the lineup that went out against portland i think it was the right lineup in terms of what you wanted the only thing maybe i would have done is uh is maybe you limit uh you know ibrahimovic's minutes against dallas and you throw him in for longer against uh portland but they were they were talking that they wanted to limit him because of turf i yes i can understand it i know what they're saying i feel like they did it probably more because he was tired i feel and because it was hot I feel like that was probably the real reason because if you're really worried about turf for Zlatan, Kevin, you don't play him at all, right? You don't. The 18 minutes he got is still minutes on turf, um, and that's still a possibility of getting injured on turf. And so, if you're really, really worried about turf, you don't play him at all. Um, but that wasn't the case. So clearly, it's it's yes. There's probably some turf uh, awareness there in terms of the hey, we realize you're playing on turf. Maybe we don't want to do that. So maybe we're going to limit some minutes, but the other part of that is is fitness and, and how tired he is and, and everything else. So, I mean, my argument is that if you start the same defense against FC Dallas, remember Ashley Cole didn't start the FC Dallas game, uh, you had Dan Starrs over on the side, Siani didn't start the, 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 the Dallas game, that if you have the same defense against Dallas, uh, who I think could have gone these back-to-back games um, and really proven something, I, I think that you could have gotten three points out of Dallas and you could have uh, you could have still walked away with draw against Portland, or even if you lose at Portland, um, you still have two more points than you would have had. I just think the focus was in the wrong place for Siggy Schmidt in trying to win maybe two games or maybe trying to draw two games. He didn't go after the three games or the three points that he should have against FC Dallas. It's uh, again hindsight, little uh, little Monday afternoon quarterbacking as we're as we're doing, Kevin. But it, it still to me was uh, was a little disappointing. The the game against Portland was a great team effort. It was a grinder effort. You're absolutely right. The the moment of creativity I would throw out there, Kevin, would be Chris Pontius 
um, and his little heel flick that uh, his whether it was intentional or not ended up breaking himself free of two defenders and then uh, scoring the the goal across uh, across um, uh, across uh, Antonella's goal there. So I mean that that's sort of where I would uh, I would look at that. But I mean a good point. That's what you wanted from the Galaxy, right? You needed something. You needed some fight. Not to mention, Kevin, I should point out, 300 LA Galaxy fans up in Portland for this game. Uh, so kudos to uh, all of the members of the supporters groups uh, and anybody else who traveled up there. And 300-plus uh, probably in the stadium of LA Galaxy supporters. So that, that was pretty good. Well, if you're going to go to a road game, that's the place to go. And by the way, did you notice one of the uh, assistant officials was Ian Anderson? But I always wondered what happened to him after he left Jethro Tull. Oh, Which, by the way, is a band, not a person. Jeff so, there we go. I gave you your air horn just because I knew you were. That was a bad joke you wanted to tell, right? <laughs> so, it, when you look at that point, though, and and again, this, uh, you know, we are in agreement. A, a really grinder effort got a point that maybe, well, they deserved it on this day. But when you look at the schedule, maybe that's a game that you write off. Now they play Real Salt like a very tough team, but then they got uh, San Jose and DC United. I mean, they're. The, the Real Salt Lake game will be really tough, but they can go on a little bit of a run here. Unfortunately, they they uh, they have a big break coming up um, yeah. between the Real Salt Lake and the San Jose uh, Earthquakes game, um, and then DC United after that, and then and and then you get in the Columbus Crew coming in with Jesse's artists, which will be fun. But definitely the schedule lightens up a little bit. I mean, if you look at the schedule over the next, again, there's a big gap because of the World Cup, so. Um, these these games aren't all going to happen one right after the other, but you have Real Salt Lake. That'll be tough. San Jose and D.C. United games I think the Galaxy should do well in. Columbus at the step-up center with Giassi coming back. Uh, I think Columbus is going to be really fired up for yeah. that one. Then New England, Philadelphia, LAFC there. Right. Um, and then and then so, Orlando. Yeah. No, I think yeah. we should look at, I mean, look at that, though, Kevin. I, I like what you're doing. You're going down the schedule as you're doing it. I'm like, we should we should think about what these what the Galaxy can do against each of these teams. So you look at Real Salt Lake. I'm seeing that even though RSL is playing very, t- very good soccer right now, they just beat uh, Seattle two to nothing. Um, I, Everybody I, beat Seattle. Two I, nothing. I was going to say <laughs> the Galaxy need to play Seattle quickly. Um, before they figure some stuff out. Uh, Real Salt Lake, I see that as a three-point game for the Galaxy. I feel like they should be beating RSL at StubHub Center. Um, and I feel that way right now as it as it sits. I feel like the Galaxy should beat uh, the San Jose Earthquakes away at Stanford Stadium, although that's a big ask in, in sort of that rivalry environment. But the last game wasn't much of a rivalry, so let's see if that carries up there. DC United at home, that should be a win. Columbus at home might be a loss. Uh, Columbus is one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, go- I think Giassi's Irish scores like 96 goals in that game. He very well could. He's certainly going to be pumped up, and I think Columbus is going to be pumped up for it. Uh, the Galaxy having to travel all the way over to New England, and then they have back-to-back away East Coast games, New England and Philadelphia. You Phil- know, they, may, they may stay there. D.C. United came down here and played out here and played San Jose and then stayed to play LAFC. Um, that would be an expensive week, but... I mean, really think about having to travel back and then and then turn around and go back because you got to go two days ahead of time. So you actually you're only going to have like two days to train. Yeah, um, yeah. They it, should just stay back there. Yeah, it's not a it's not a great schedule in terms of those two games. Those are probably I mean both of those could be losses for the LA Galaxy. Then away to LAFC, quote unquote away to LAFC on Thursday. So short week, July 26. I mean that's a game that right now you'd have to say that the way LAFC are sort of uh, spiraling down a little bit, maybe that's a draw instead of a, a, a for sure LAFC win 
Um, so you could look at that. And then um, home to Orlando City. I can't even tell you uh, whether or not I think Orlando City is anything as of late. Uh, I seem to think that they're on the, the losing end of a lot of games as of late. But, I mean, that should be a win for the Galaxy at home. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at these and just the way the Galaxy are playing... Kevin, and the way the schedule probably eases up just ever so slightly for a little bit, if the Galaxy are going to get hot, it's going to start right now, and it needs to start right now. They have to do and it. I, I think this. I think the Portland game could be a springboard for that. Um, you know, you mentioned one thing about the schedule, playing Seattle before they get uh, figure some things out, and, and when you look at that team, it's just too talented to be playing the way it is, although it doesn't seem to be any end in sight, but um, just looking at the schedule, as you mentioned that, you know, Three teams that are, I think, scuffling a little bit, um, but do have a chance, perhaps, to, as you said, figure things out, would be Minnesota, Seattle, and Colorado. God, Colorado is just horrible right now. Yep. The Galaxy don't play any of those teams until August 4th when they play Colorado, and then they play each of them two times. So let's just say, for example, that everyone else is playing Seattle now. LAFC's played them twice, beat them twice, um, you know, and uh, Colorado. If those guys turn things around, the Galaxy has to play – Six games against essentially three different teams than everyone else has played already this season. Well, I'm sure people are going to say the same thing about the Galaxy, right? Oh, we want to play them you know, now or, or earlier in the season when they weren't very good, and then you're going to get to them uh, in the second half of the season. And listen, I was talking to uh, Scott French uh, in, in the press box, and I was saying, I go, you know, I go, when when is it time to panic about this team? Scott has a... Uh, I don't know, a more level-headed perspective probably did, than Did he anybody. have an opinion? Did he, he have an answer he, for Of course you? he did. Of course he did. Okay. Scott always does. Um, so Scott, was, I said, you know, when is when do you think it's time to panic for this team? And he goes, I don't think you can start panicking until at the end of July into the early August. And the reason that is, he is of the belief that the Galaxy trying to integrate Zlatan Ibrahimovic into this lineup and then having to deal with the World Cup absences by those guys, by, by Jonathan Dos Santos, Giovanni Dos Santos, has not allowed the LA Galaxy to find and settle into an understanding or a formation. And it certainly looks that way whenever you watch the Galaxy play. You can't say there's anything cohesive on the field whenever Zlatan's out there. Very rarely is there creativity, uh, is there free-flowing offense, is there an understanding or, or, or an understanding of what exactly everybody's supposed to do, Kevin. So the, I, I tend to agree with him, but I also think Scott's usually way more conservative than I am, so his end of July is me like freaking out and saying it's probably like you know middle of July. Um, or even the beginning of July, where the Galaxy really need to step this up and, and start doing things. And again, Galaxy don't play any games, or at least they're not playing any league games. There's a possibility of a U.S. Open Cup game, I believe, on June 20th. Excuse me, Wednesday, June 20th, which could be against LAFC uh, if if everything advances the way it's supposed to, it seems. Um, but LA Galaxy would have to get past FC Golden State Force, of course. Um, before they do that in amateur team. Big ask, a big ask right there. Hey, the last time the Galaxy played a uh, played an amateur team, I think it was La, La Maquina, um, and it was a bit of a struggle there. If I, that if was I, the Santa Ana team, right? Yeah, I believe it that, was the Santa Ana. That, that, by the way, may have been the lowest moment in the history of the LA Galaxy when they had to – this was a semi-pro team from Santa Ana, and you had – I forget who it was, but they were legit MLS players. I think it was Mike McGee was one, and they pulled a trick play – in yeah. stoppage time yeah, I to think, beat a summer pro team from Santa Ana. And I, if I'm the referee, I just wave that off and say, no, no, I am not going to allow that that goal. You guys can't do that against this team. They can do it against you, but you guys are the <laughs> five-time MLS champions. That should not have been allowed to happen. 
Yeah. I was embarrassed for the whole entire franchise. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad somebody was embarrassed. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that was the last time uh, I believe the LA Galaxy actually did that. So um, the Galaxy's schedule for this week, Kevin, um, they obviously train today on Monday as we're recording. Uh, they will train on Tuesday. They have the uh, U.S. Open Cup game at the Track and Field Stadium, StubHub Center, on Wednesday, June 6th. That's 7.30 p.m. kickoff time. Uh, I, it looks like that will be available on LAGalaxy.com for people who are looking for it. Uh, Thursday, June 7th, they will train. Friday, June uh, 8th, they will train. And then Saturday, 7.30 p.m., they host Real Salt Lake, uh, Spectrum Sports Center, and Spectrum Deportes. We, have, we'll, we will have a show on Thursday that will go over the U.S. Open Cup game and get you prepared for the game coming up on Saturday. Is the chant coming back Saturday? I would hope it doesn't. Uh, I, we talked about it. Uh, Wendy and I, I think talked about it on Thursday. Um, there's there's no room for it. Uh, and the LA Galaxy as an organization, I don't. As I said, I think the supporters groups, Kevin, do a, a, a do a good job of trying to stamp it out. They've talked about kicking out people who are in their sections who do it. Uh, so I think they're responsible and accountable. It's the LA Galaxy who are not responsible and accountable for it right now, uh, because yeah. it's happening outside of the supporters group section, and you can't ask them to police the entire stadium. Uh, the now, Galaxy have to that's the that. supporters group, but you can't ask the Galaxy. Yes, the one difference, you know, LAFC had this in their first game and, and the ownership took it very, very seriously. And I'm not saying that the galaxy ownership's not, I'm going to make another point. They took it very seriously. They convened a meeting with all the stakeholders, supporters groups, uh, the team, team of officials. Um, and they took care of it. One of the things they did is they told security, if you see or hear anyone doing that chant or anyone points it out to you, that person is ejected from the stadium immediately and is subject to losing his season ticket privileges. Um, and uh, I don't know how many people were uh, were influenced by that, but it did stop the next game, and people were uh, calling security, and it, and it stopped. And my understanding from things that I've seen on social media, and again, I didn't walk the concourse at StubHub asking everyone about this. I have to go on what uh, people say on social media, but I heard a lot of fans complain about having gone to security or having called it the, the, the attention of some StubHub official and nothing was done about it. And I think this is where... The Galaxy, the Galaxy, you know, AEG owns the building. The, the Galaxy, there's no excuse for them not to not to uh, be able to do something about it. I think they need to go to security and say that that there is a zero tolerance and uh, you need to stamp it out. All of these issues about trying to get people to see the light and bring them over to this side and, and try to convince them, it, it really hasn't worked. And so I think stronger measures are called for it. It certainly worked at LAFC, and I hope the Galaxy do that this weekend as well. Yeah, I, I believe they still play a video before the game um, that, that addresses the issue. Uh, up to a certain point, the Galaxy do. But yeah, you, I, I'm always hesitant to, to allow security to have more power inside a StubHub Center. I think most of the times that goes sideways quickly. Uh, but in this particular case, I'm for it. And like I said, I, 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 I tip my hat to the supporters groups, Galaxians, ACB, uh, LA Riot Squad, uh, who I think have done a great job policing their own people and and are, have really taken the issue seriously. Um, now it's up to the LA Galaxy to do the same. And you're right. The security needs to be there and, and they need to get rid of the chant. It's just it's time. It, there's no more there's no more excuses there's nothing else it's time to get rid of it um, I don't want anybody ever to feel uncomfortable uh, coming to an LA Galaxy game or any stadium in Major League Soccer uh, where they have to worry about hearing something that that really in this case you know is, is derogatory towards them and that goes across everything so it's time and then parents have to explain to their kids what it means and why they're, they're chanting it and it just it's just a downhill spiral and there's no need for it there, you know there are other more creative ways that you can make your point if if for whatever reason you need to chant at the visiting goalkeeper, there are other 
words that you can use. You can be much more creative and you can make up chants. I heard some Mexican fans, you know, that that's where uh, the, the chant has really uh, been embedded. And I heard some Mexican fans intend to, uh, in Russia at least, change it from the word that it, that it, we all know it is and, and say the word Putin instead. Yes. Um, and this, that kind of works because now fans are not going to know what word's being said, and now everything's cleaned up. <laughs> there you go. That's how it works. Uh, U.S. Open Cup game, uh, again, Wednesday, June 6, 7.30 p.m. kickoff time against FC Golden State Force. The game is at the StubHub Center Track and Field uh, Stadium, uh, which means it's all GA, and which means that if you are lucky enough to be one of the wonderful press people who are going to be sitting at the stadium, Kevin, we'll, uh, we'll be sitting. You won't be there. I think you're actually covering the LAFC U.S. Open Cup game, right? I yes. am. It's closer yes. to my house. It Sorry is, about that. It, no, it's fine. You have to cover both teams. I understand. So I will be at the, at StubHub Center. You can come down, walk all the way down, and yell at me probably because I'll be sitting right there next to the field at the lowest uh, press box ever created and instituted at an LA Galaxy game where I can see almost nothing. Uh, and it'll be uh, it'll be fun. It's always fun to. But to you see. know what? They did a great job last year when I covered the game there. They had the Wi-Fi set up, and oh, the, the, you know it was a comfortable work in area. It was really really good. I expect that they will do the same. It's just it's only about you know two inches higher than the actual field and so trying to see some things gets a little crazy but you're close enough that you get to hear all the players yelling at each other so that's always fun uh and do it uh the galaxy have a record of 33 17 and oh uh, gee I, i'm glad they put the o in there because you can't have ties in the open cup uh all-time record in the lamar hunt u.s open cup they have entered the open cup every year since 1999 winning the tournament in 2001 and 2005 and reaching the open cup final on two what other was the occasions. Co- who was the coach in 2001 uh siggy schmidt Yes. Yeah, I win. Good job for me. Uh, Last year, the Galaxy advanced to the quarterfinals of the competition before falling to the San Jose Earthquakes 3-2. FC Golden State Force, of course, makes it to face off against the LA Galaxy by denying us a chance to see Freddie Adu and Llamas, Kevin, because if if, uh, FC Golden State Force wouldn't have gotten a 90th minute uh, penalty kick that put them to up two to one over Las Vegas Lights FC. Uh, we could have had Freddie Adu, and maybe they would have brought some of the llamas that Las oh, Vegas Lights has. The lights went out. The lights went out, indeed, uh, and that's how they got through the fourth round. There. Where's the panda thing right there? I don't. Oh, which one? The lights went out. Hold on. Yeah. Say it again. The lights went out. Panda and Pato in the morning. And and no, I will not. I know yeah, I can uncork one of those bad jokes at any moment. You I, need to have your finger on that button. I was gonna. It's like it is. And by the way, I'm not editing that to make it sound any better. It's gonna go in exactly as that as as we had it there. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's where the LA Galaxy are are sitting right now. in, in terms of uh, you know getting ready for for the U.S. Open Cup, I think. Um, that, like I said, I think you're going to see a bunch of call-ups, Kevin. I think you're going to see a bunch of, uh, of guys who uh, maybe you have, you've been seeing at LA Galaxy 2. Efren Alvarez will not be one of those guys. He's away with the uh, U-17 Mexican youth oh, team. Oh, yeah, sure. He gets to go on international. <laughs> Everyone gets to go on international. Except Udi Sebastian Legette. And, and Emmer Clemenza. Remember, if you're making a point, you have to use both of them and not just one. Um, no, it, that's what it is. So Efren is away, so he will not be called up. But uh, maybe you see some other guys. Maybe uh, Zubak uh, could come up. Um, uh, maybe Yanez, um, and I usually say their names wrong. It's the one place where I don't get my pronunciations correctly, and I'll work harder on it, I promise, uh, before the U.S. Hey, Open Cup. I'm going away on international duty, come to think about it. <laughs> I'm so, you know what? Maybe the LA when Galaxy someone could, asked, they were going, yeah, go. <laughs> you can go. Go. Get out of here. I was going to say, some, maybe the LA Galaxy should deny you uh, going to Russia. <laughs> no, I think they want me to go. All right, let's get I'm to... I'm sure of it. Let's see. Uh, Chris Klein is driving me to the airport. I'm sure he is. Maybe Dan Beckerman can, can get you some coffee. 
Uh, maybe that's how that works. <laughs> that's right. Twenty dollar <laughs> cup of coffee. Looking forward to it. Uh, let's go to uh, to uh, the phone call that we got uh, concerning the Portland game. So here is uh, Jason in Vegas. Hey, Josh. This is Jason in Vegas. Um, just finished uh, following the um, Portland game. Um, unfortunately, I found out that my ESPN Plus has Galaxy games blacked out, so I wasn't able to watch. That said, um, Bingham looks like he made nine saves, according to the ESPN stats. Portland had ten shots on frame, and obviously the only one that went in was the PK. Where does uh, Bingham's performance today rank as far as um, all-time Galaxy goalkeeping um, efforts? Obviously, you know, Pinedo, Hartman, even McGee had some great efforts, but where does Bingham's today rank with that? I had a second point. And this is something that I saw on Twitter, which was kind of blowing up because the Galaxy didn't let Leggett go to the national team. And obviously they lost 2-1 today to Ireland. Um, what is the, what is the requirement for the teams as far as letting players go? And personally, I think the Galaxy made the right choice in keeping Leggett, even though they let Ola go because the Galaxy have another striker behind Ola where they didn't really have anyone behind the jet, especially with the Dos Santos brothers gone. Um, just let me know what you think, and thanks a lot, and keep up the good work on the show. Thanks. All right. Wow, Jason. another legit hater. Man, the boy doesn't get any love in this. No, no this, that's not true at all. You take that back. Jason in Vegas is a very smart man. You can tell um, just by that phone call about how 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 really smart he is in agreeing with me. Um, Probably a lights fan. <laughs> he could be. Maybe he's disappointed too, Kevin. Maybe he is. Um, no, I mean, so so the legit point. I think I, I the the re, his real question was a great question, by the way. Is what are the requirements for releasing players? And uh, from my understanding, Kevin, you can correct me if you think any of this I'm saying is wrong. But if it is a FIFA date. Players are required to release players for that FIFA date. Um, the problem is that all these friendlies that are occurring before the World Cup happen outside of most major leagues um, across the world. Everybody's off. Their league has concluded for the summer. Uh, they're into their summer break. And that these dates are not FIFA dates. Um, they're not FIFA dates at all. So teams and outside of guys who are going to the World Cup, there is a requirement to release guys going to World Cup teams by a certain date. Um, but outside of those teams, for international friendlies, there is zero requirement for the team uh, to release those players. And so they didn't have to release Ola Kamara, they didn't have to release Sebastian Legette, and they didn't have to release Emmer Clementa. And in two of those cases, two of the three, they chose to exercise those rights. Well, you know, in four years when the World Cup is in Qatar and they're going to play it in December, it's going to be it's going to uh, interfere with the MLS playoffs. What are you going to do then? <sighs> That's such a nightmare. That's such a nightmare scenario. Can, can we not think about that for like, th you know, the four years that are coming? Because as soon as this World Cup is over, that's all that's going to be talked about is how how ridiculously stupid it is that they approved a World Cup for the summer and then changed it to winter because, oh, it gets hot. Like they didn't know it got hot beforehand. It's just this is listen I it looks like global warming is a hoax caused by the Chinese and you know it <laughs> it probably is but uh, the, however that happens um, the, the 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 it looks like now that the US is in a lock or at least coming close to a lock to get that 2026. Uh, World Cup. It seems like all the voting is, is starting to align and, you know, the FIFA ratings and all that. Of course, you can always have surprises whenever you actually go uh, to vote, but um, it, it's it, it's looking like that is going to be the case. 
Um, and I'm just kind of over all the process of, of World Cup selection, World Cup voting, World Cup acquisition, and how shady a process it is and how sideways it is, Kevin. And this is just more, I mean, going to Russia is already a little, uh, a giant question mark. Uh, Qatar is a question mark. Um, you know, where's, where's some of the other places that, that could possibly be hosting World well, Cups? Morocco here? is up yeah, for the next one. That's 2026. right. Morocco and the United States are battling it out currently uh, for whether or not, and it's the United States, Canada, Mexico, I should say. It's a joint. Yes, yeah, the NAFTA World Cup. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, uh, don't forget about the first part of that question, which was about David Bingham. And, and he mentioned Mike McGee, too. I did see Mike McGee had a tweet uh, sort of uh, – talking about how David Bingham was as good in goal as he was in that one game in yes. San Jose. But I, I don't know the answer to where that ranks. It's got to be one of the best, better performances, if not the best performance by uh, a Galaxy goalkeeper as far as you know number of saves in a match. Um, it, it's got to rank up there. Um, and, and my recollection was most of them were fairly – I mean, you know, Portland was very dangerous. Most of those, those saves were fairly difficult. So, you know, I think you could probably safely say it's one of the best games – uh, by a Galaxy goalkeeper in franchise history. I don't know that you can say it's the best. Yeah, I mean, I, without again, I'm sort of with you, trying to think off of... Listen, here, here most of the reason that you're not going to find a whole bunch of them, Kevin, is you're going to remember, you know, great saves. I think uh, Jaime Pinedo making the save against Vancouver where I think the ball goes off the right-hand post and he was diving for it, and then there's a wide-open goal to the left hand, and he comes all the way across and makes a one-handed save, you know, to stop the wide-open goal that was going to be scored. So you can remember, like, those types of performances. You can remember Mike McGee's performance, obviously, against, you know, as far as I'm concerned, there's no goalkeeper performance that will ever top Mike McGee against San Jose. Um, so that type of thing. But the reason that you probably don't remember a whole bunch of games where it was a complete goalkeeper performance is that the Galaxy's defense used to not allow nine shots on goal and that they these guys didn't have to usually stand on their head. Um, so, you know, outside of that, you're right. It, it's... Listen, this is the David Bingham that I think everybody was hoping would show up. And then the last couple of games, I thought he's actually been pretty good. Um, the Dallas game, he got three goals scored on him. I don't know that any of those are his fault, uh, at least off the top of my head, trying to remember back, I don't believe so. So, I mean, this is a positive sign that things are starting to hit a little bit of a stride in terms of some performances. Perry Kitchen, I mentioned, David Bingham, uh, Ima Boateng, even I think Servando Carrasco had a good game. Um, against uh, against Portland. So there were a bunch of really good performances in this game, including David Bingham. I don't know where he ranks, Jason. I wish I had probably some better ideas and had to go back and look at, like, you know, most saves in a game from goalkeepers. Um, but those aren't all created equal either. You'd probably have to go back and watch. The, I've seen lots of games, Kevin, where the ball's kicked right at a goalkeeper like five times and he gets credit for five saves. Uh, yeah, that, and, you know, it's funny because a lot of people, and I make the mis mistake all the time too. It's just the, the easy way to do it is you look at how many uh, goals a goalkeeper gave up and you say, oh, well, this guy gave up a lot of goals, so he's not very good. You know, Dan Kennedy one year when he was playing with Chivas USA gave up 55 goals and was voted the uh, the second place uh goalkeeper on the MLS all-star team. In other words, whatever honorable mention or second team, uh, all MLS with 55 goals allowed. That that was the people in the league looking at him and saying, he's getting no help at all. This guy is a really good goalkeeper. And he was, by the way, he was extremely good. Um, and he gave up a ton of goals. And, and so you look at David Bingham, as you said, the three goals against Dallas, he had a string where he gave up. I know he had the two, the back-to-back -back shutouts, but before that he had a string where he gave up a lot of goals. Um, it's still the same guy, you know, it's just, uh, um, uh, for whatever reason that, you know, he's really depends on his defense, helping him out. If he's not getting any help from his defense, if they're not communicating with him, puts him in a tough position. So, uh, you see a game like this in Portland where he is athletic and he actually physically makes some incredible saves and, and, and that's all on him. And I think he's played 
as you said, pretty well all season. And you really can't judge it by the goals he's allowed because he has, uh, you know, he has given up uh, in, in streaks this year. He has given up a lot of goals. He has. Absolutely. All right, Jason, thanks for the At call. At one point we thought 71. Right. <laughs> yes, I remember your math. Yeah, I was. Right. I always feel good about my math, Kevin, because I know it's probably not as bad as your math. That's that's. I usually... no. What I what I didn't say is seventy one goals if they played fifty games. That oh, was the part that you cut out. That's that's the next yeah. step for Major League Soccer to play fifty games in a season. I got yeah. it. Yeah, I, it was my editing fault once again. That's how it works. All right. Uh, anything else you want to get to, sir, before you uh, make the trip across the pond and head? Yeah, please cancel the World Cup. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. I don't want to go. I don't think that's happening. Uh, Kevin and I, like I said, we're going to try to get you some shows while Kevin is in uh, Russia. And we did the math today um, in terms of what time that podcast would have to happen. And so uh, I think on uh, on next Monday, the podcast will be recorded at 6 a.m. in the morning uh, Pacific time here. I, I've, I've decided to get up early and do it. And Kevin, that will be what time? Uh, what time Russia time do we figure out? Uh, didn't we figure out it's like, like four? five o'clock? Yeah, I think it's at four. I think it's at four four p.m. I think it's it's eight hours, or uh, I think it's eight hours, but in the other direction. So you're ahead of me. So it's going to be four p.m. I'm, I'm ahead. Yes. Yeah. 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 So anyway, I, I'm always ahead. So that's <laughs> easy to remember. You're going to be calling. You're going to be calling from the future, Kevin. We're going to we're going to we're going <laughs> to be able right. to get. We're, I will. It'll be, it'll be be like timeless. Uh, uh, even if you can't, even even you who can't get predictions right, calling from the future would still somehow screw them up. I, I imagine. I imagine that's how that would be. All right. So anyway, so Kevin and I are going to try to do that. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll say tentative because we don't know how technology will work doing it that way. But we've done it from other countries. Um, well, yeah, and they're apparently very good with the internet there, those Russians. So <laughs> very good. But that's what I hear. That's what I hear. All right, uh, Kevin. Anything? Send me an email. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll figure it out. Don't I, no emails. We don't want to be tracked. That's not how it's going to work. Um. All right. Uh, anything else, Kevin? You good? I'm good. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter. You, of course, can go to at KBaxter11 on Twitter or head on over to LATimes.com. All of his soccer coverage, including the World Cup, coming up. Kevin leaving on Friday. Friday, he's headed to Russia. So uh, we'll definitely try to keep up with him as he uh, makes that traveling. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll have him on the podcast. If you're looking for me on Twitter, at JGuesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and, of course, at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com, where you can find all of our articles, all of our shows, all of our podcasts, everything you possibly want right there on cornerofthegalaxy.com, including scarves. Get your scarves. That's still available. Please do that. We'll have another show on Thursday. Eric, the Portuguese Hammer Vieira, will be in studio. We can discuss U.S. Open Cup and the game against Real Salt Lake coming up on Saturday. So thank you very much for joining us. I'm Josh Kessman. He's Kevin Baxter. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.